Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Today, I'm so happy again to welcome to my podcast, Living a Legacy Live, Carol Feel. Is that right? Feel or file? File. File. It's actually file. file. Yes, exactly. (laughs) How How do you spell that, Carol? It's spelled F-E-I-L, which is why it gets uh, mispronounced. mispronounced. It's an easy, easy mistake. No problem. File like, you know, filing, filing your information. Yeah. Uh, I need to file some information. That's for sure. You should <laughs> see my desk. Uh, Carol's my new best friend and we wear big earrings. But the main difference is that she gardens and I don't. Uh, but I, I, I appreciate a nice garden as long as I don't have to bend over and do anything about it. Today, we're talking about the holidays and how we can make them less stressful and build community. Carol, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Sue. It's always, always a joy to be with you, whether in person or via Zoom. (laughs) Tell tell me about your website and what you like to talk about. Uh, You mentioned gardens. And uh, if you can, for those that can see this, I love yellow boots and the yellow boots have become my listen and learn boots. I wear them Mm -hmm. when I garden and the Lord has graciously allowed me to think uh, what I call holy things while I'm in the garden. Mm. I see a bush that needs pruning and I draw a conclusion about my faith walk, my spiritual life. And so every time I'm in the garden and those yellow boots are on my feet, it just becomes a place to kind of glean insights to the truth of scripture. And then I like to share those mm. um, any way I can. That's so great. My sister does that as well, but she lives outside Chicago. So she probably doesn't garden a lot all year round like you do because you live in Bakersfield. Is that right? I do. I live right at the heart of agricultural central California. Wow. Wow. Uh, Carol, I want to talk a little bit about one of my favorite subjects, which is loneliness. And Mm -hmm. loneliness is rampant. And it's not just because of social media and it's not just because of COVID, but it truly is a disease. Um, But it's especially rampant, I think, at the holidays. Why do you think it's worse at the holidays? It's worse at the holidays because we have an expectation of what holidays should look like and who we should spend time with Hmm. and all the warm, fizzy feelings that we expect to embrace us at that time of the year. Hmm. For example? For example... It's easy to have an expectation that the holidays are full of family gatherings and warm embraces and kind sentiments. I think if we could pull the curtain back on some family dynamics, we would see that there's more stress uh, than joy. But we are a visual culture and we take for gospel truth. If I put a picture of my kids and I around the Christmas tree, it's really easy to think, wow, that file family they just get along and there's peaceful sailing. And the reality is there's bumps in every family dynamic, but because we're so visually 
motivated and influenced in our culture. I think it's really easy to believe the Pinterest type picture and not always grasp the full reality of mm-hmm. everybody's holiday mm-hmm. because holidays are stressful. <laughs> holidays are stressful. We're going to talk. Yeah. Uh, We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but as far as loneliness goes, why do you think it's worse? Is it because people expect someone to come and see them and then they change their plans at the last minute or the snow holds them up or whatever? Loneliness, I think, comes out of wanting to be included and not knowing where to go for that inclusion. What do you mean? If I'm somebody who feels separated from family. I want to be with a family, but I, how do you just come up to somebody and say, Hey, would you invite me to spend time with your family for the holidays? That might be a heart's desire, Mm -hmm. but not a common thing that most people would ask. And so then am I being a person who looks and says, who might need to be with family? at this hall. And I can get really myopic. I will, I will admit, I love how you have lived this out. I will admit that I can be very myopic around the holidays and I can just think of my own group and, you know, my family, my kids, and not think about those who might need the sense of brother, sister, mom, and dad on those days. Well, I think that there is true. I do that on a regular basis, but I do have, I have learned that there is a balance, Carol, that Christmas morning is just our family plus two others, <laughs> just two more. <laughs> but, Chris, but Christmas Eve is 25 to 50. Oh, I love that. And I that way, that, that way, it's good for my children. It's really good for my children to yes. welcome strangers into the home because then they know how to do it as adults. Yes. And also they see the love of Jesus through that. <clears throat> and there are people who don't really want to be with a stranger's family on the whole holiday season, but they would like to be invited to one thing, right? To go to a church. Our church has a couple, um, you know, Christmas Eve services and you think of it for the kids and the choir and all that. But what do the people do who come by themselves or they're new to town? There's always new people to town and they come to church and they sing all the silent nights and they blow out the candles and then they get in their cold cars and go home all by themselves Mm -hmm. to a dark house and yeah, you can only burn so many candles to feel um, like you're cozy and loved and warm. And so I remember after uh, Christmas, well, actually, it was at the beginning of the Christmas Eve service a few years ago. <clears throat> and a friend of mine said, oh, we, I want you to meet so-and-so. She's new to town. So I said, oh, would you like to come over for, she was didn't have a wedding ring on. She was uh, sort of by herself. I said, would you like to come over for soup and bread potluck? We do this after the Christmas Eve service. She goes, oh, I'm waiting for my son and his family to come to church. I hope they make it. So later I saw this young family come in and I thought, okay, well, she's taken care of, but she had taken my phone number. And a few minutes later, I get this text, can I still come? So her, her own son did not invite her over for Christmas Eve. And she goes, what can I bring? I said, nothing. We have plenty. And she ended up staying like one of the longest times. And afterwards, my daughter goes, who was that gal? She was so nice. How long have you known her? I said, about 15 minutes. Yeah. But see, (laughs) and she's come and she came last year too. It just depends because they, you know, they don't want to feel sorry for themselves or even get off the thing of, oh, poor me. But they could if no one actually, and I actually, I'm kind of uh, relieved when some people say no, because I have too many. 
But at, sometimes people just need the invitation. They don't actually need to come. It, well, and isn't that the case? Because I think uh, probably the hardest time in life for girls, those junior high years, right? right? And I used to say to my girls, it's not about, it's not always about, not always about purposeful exclusion as much as it isn't purposeful inclusion. What do you mean? And we we can be so self-absorbed that we just want to be included in somebody's circle. So we're not purposely excluding anybody else, but we're so focused on what we need that mm. we also don't reach beyond ourselves to see that another person feels just like we do. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that junior high thing sometimes follows us ladies into our adult lives and we don't purposefully exclude, but we get comfortable with a friend group or mm. a way of doing things mm. that we also don't stop to purposely include. Yeah. Uh, I remember when we were invited by some family members for Thanksgiving, I thought, wow, how easy is this? I made two things and, you know, left afterwards um, because I usually host, right? But they didn't want me to include anybody else. And I thought, you know, because they wanted it to be our family. And I understood that to a certain degree. But in my heart, I thought, well, we're going to be with each other forever. We need to invite people who don't know Jesus because, they need to know that God has invited them to his table. And so I just didn't go to their house next time. <laughs> I invited them to my house. Well, <clears throat> and I think there, I mean, I just love that this is your heart. And I, I think there's a continuum where you have come to this conclusion and you are living it out in a way that not everybody could go from where they are now to where you are. And so what I see you being able to do for people is to plant the seed of an idea hmm. that you can bring others into your holiday and the sacredness of the holiday. Because I'll be honest, I, there have been times when, like I said, I can be really, oh, it's just my kids. I just want to spend that time with sure. my kids. And I'm not always saying, hey, Lord, is there somebody else you'd like mm -hmm. me to pull mm -hmm. into this mix? And so I love that your heart is to welcome others like Jesus welcomes us. And it's such a good reminder because I think if we were to speak it out, that's what we want to be known for. We want to be known as welcoming. Right. Getting from the saying it to the doing mm. it sometimes are different things. Well, I always say start with one person. Yep. But what's funny, if you invite one person, sometimes they feel so free to invite a whole nother family, which has happened. And so <laughs> you just need to be prepared, you know, like have a deep freezer in the garage. That always helps. Well, um, as my mom used to say, yeah. just another loaf of bread. I mean, oh. I can remember so many times when the meat was no longer the main course and she mm. got out another bag of frozen peas mm. or carrots and a loaf of bread and we just rounded out the meal. Isn't that so beautiful? Um, what can we do if we're the one who is feeling lonely? Because even though you and I are, are you know, we are kind of extroverts off one whole deep end. Um, so people might think, well, we never get lonely, but I have still gotten lonely and that's why I can speak about it. But what can the lonely extrovert or introvert do to assuage their loneliness? <clears throat> I think we have to be willing to not wait for someone to ask us. And we have to say, who can I bring that might be feeling a lot like me? Who can I reach out to? Because the irony that happens when you're an extrovert is everybody thinks you've got a plan. Nobody checks to see 
if you're going anywhere or doing anything. And I'm not saying that to put a guilt trip on anybody. I think it's just an easy assumption Mm -hmm. that, of course, I have somewhere to go or something to do um, because I'm all about going and doing and being with people. There are times that's not the case. And so I have to remind myself that it's my chance just to say, who would like to come over? And it doesn't have to be a huge group. You're, you're, you do 50 so easily. And I love that. And I've done the big groups, but we can make a difference with one person. We can make a difference by welcoming one person over. And like you said, sometimes that ends up maybe being a few more. (laughs) Well, we had a smaller Thanksgiving last year and a couple of the guests who come every year said, this has been so nice. And I think they were saying less commotion, fewer people, the food was covered. Everything was fine. Uh, hospitality is a lot of work. But when we're talking about um, loneliness, I just know that if if, when, if I'm feeling lonely, Carol, it's hard for me emotionally to even reach out and say, hey, I, yeah. I need you. You know, I need, yes. not that you need to spend a lot of money on me or invite me to everything, but um I remember in college, I was lonely and depressed about something. And I went walking around the campus. And when I came back, this still stuck with me. This dear couple from my home church had come to visit me and no one could find me. And I missed out. Mm. I missed out oh. if I just stayed oh. in my dorm room. You know, it's so weird. Those weird things come back to you. But if someone is feeling sad, you don't feel like reaching out. I just think emotionally that's the case. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I- I'm trying to just think of a moment where, um, where I did. I, I, it's easy to sit in our sadness. That yeah. mm-hmm. it's easy to sit in our sadness, and so if we're in that place and we're not feeling comfortable to invite, I think what we let ourselves listen to and what we let ourselves read makes a big difference. That would be a time for me that I'd want to not be watching a negative or sad movie. I'd want to be watching something encouraging and uplifting. Um, Maybe I would make that choice to listen to some music that feeds my soul, not just, you know, of a feel good variety, but of a deep soul nature. Maybe I'm going to pull out some of my favorite Christian worship music and um, allow myself to be fed when I'm maybe not feeding myself at that moment. Right. And God uses our solitude. And maybe that's just what he wanted you to do or me to do. Um, But the solitude is the positive part about being alone and loneliness is the negative, painful part. My sister was just telling me on Marco Polo today that, you know, she just did a big event. And so then there's a downside to that emotionally afterwards. And she said, every woman I know works outside the home. So there's nobody to play with. And here she's, you know, in her sixties going, I needed someone to play with. So she reached out. She goes, I get to go out to Panera tomorrow for breakfast with a friend. And Saturday, the woman doesn't work. So I'm going to go with somebody else to a to a holiday market. And so we really have to, it's kind of like, um, I remember when I had a, a breakup with a guy, this was years ago, and I realized I had to make plans for the weekend on Monday. So on Monday, mm-hmm. I was fine, right? I was going to work every day. I was really busy, but I thought Friday night's going to come or Saturday's going to come and there's nothing on the calendar because I'm no longer in a relationship. And so you make your plans on Monday for something <laughs> to good. do on Saturday. And yes. I think for those listening today who don't have family or don't have plans or 
whatever is going on for your holidays, that you make a plan today, which is Monday, if you're listening to this on Monday, for your Friday or Saturday, even if it's to invite someone you don't know very well to go um, out for breakfast before going Christmas shopping. I mean, people are busy at Christmas. That's when I invite the neighborhood for um for a power, I call it a power breakfast for shopping. And so you come here and eat food and then you leave. So it's a short, short one, like nine to 10. And I I invite 90 homes and I get like 12 or 15, not a lot, but everybody brings something and they like getting together. And then I shoo them out because I'm busy too. (laughs) It's like, okay, time's up. Let's go get in our cars, you know, run over to Macy's or whatever. I wish we had new Macy's, but anyway, in Bakersfield, you have Macy's. So the idea is that you make a plan. And I think if you make a plan in advance, the first time I did it, my children were small and everybody who came said, why didn't you let us bring food? See, I was, Mm. I was new in the neighborhood. I didn't know people. And so from then on, I just say, bring something if you want to, if it's stressful, no, we'll have enough. Yeah. 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 People like to be part of it. I love that idea of uh, before the holidays, giving a chance to just touch in. And I feel like you are so good at putting a good time frame <laughs> on things. You've said something about, uh, maybe it was a joke, but there was a sign up um, oh, yeah. on something that you said about, thanks for coming. Be sure you leave by nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah. It's just have been so tickled by that because yeah. I think that can be a fear about yeah. having people over is what if they just don't know when to leave. Yeah. Some people don't leave because they're just loving the connection and the mm-hmm. fellowship. Um, you just but need I think boundaries. We have, we have permission to say, yeah. I mm-hmm. am, I'm so looking forward to having you guys come over from seven to nine. And it does, <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever yeah. that looks like, yeah. but um, yeah, yeah. Now, no, I loved. There's this one guy we got acquainted with. I've talked about him before. His name, is Doug. He's in he's in glory now, but he was homeless when we met him. And mm-hmm. so he came every uh, Christmas Eve. Then he got an apartment for someone through someone in our church and he joined the choir. And the last time he was here, he loved to talk to my girls about movies. So finally, I just came in the living room. I go, Doug, you got to go. These girls have to wrap their Christmas presents. OK, you know, and off he went, you know, but by then it was just so comfortable. Yeah. A girlfriend gave me a banner that says, please leave by nine. But my introverted husband said, can you change that to eight, please? (laughs) But now he just goes upstairs and no one even knows that he's disappeared. Now, one thing that um, you like to talk about when you speak to women is is the word should. Why do you talk about the shoulds that we have? Because I think there's lots of shoulds when it comes to the holidays. There are a lot of shoulds. I should be doing this. I should go here. I should plan this. And it's a guilt trip we put on ourselves based on expectations. Expectations um, aren't always grounded in truth or Mm -hmm. even in reality. And the shoulds play like a soundtrack in our mind. They're uninvited. They start. And unless we purposely choose to let something else play on repeat, Man, shoulds bring you down. Mm. Should, 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 should. They're guilt-inducing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you and I have had some good conversations where shoulds have a place. And shoulds aren't always guilty. But there are a lot of, especially the shoulds in the Bible, there are some really good ones in Scripture mm-hmm. that call us to do uh, noble things in the name of Jesus. But the shoulds that run on repeat in my mind are not as noble. And For they're example, usually, can you give me a couple? Oh, 
I think some of it is what I should prepare, what a meal should look like, uh-huh. what hospitality should be, what um, what the holiday season should look like. I mm-hmm. guilt myself over my extroverted self packing my schedule too much and then getting down to the end of the season where I just really want to be reflecting on the reason for the season. Yeah. And I haven't left an ounce of margin in my schedule to do so. Right. And so I guilt myself going up to it, but then I guilt myself when I get there. And Mm -hmm. and it's these little should, oh, you should have done that different. Mm -hmm. You should have, you should have, you should have. And well, I think they come from the Pinterest uh, culture we're in. It used to be the Martha Stewart culture. Now it's the Pinterest culture as well as social media because we go, wow. I should be doing things like her or I even should look like her because, you know, if I would not eat all these candy canes or actually Halloween candy left over in my freezer, then um, maybe people would like me more and I wouldn't be so lonely. I mean, there's all these guilt all things. All the things. Yeah. Yes. Um, and even, even when it comes to um, doing this life with our, when our kids were little, Right. When you and I were moms of younger kids and what we thought the holidays should look like for our kids. Mm -hmm. My mom was very creative and I think I took her creativity out of a space where she didn't have a choice and I added much more to it. And so I took what I saw her doing as a good thing but I made it bigger. And then I kept telling myself I should keep doing it that way because somehow my kids needed this muchness, this moreness. And that's not always the case. And Mm -hmm. we are in a consumer culture and we have to fight to not fall prey to what advertising, the lies that advertising tells us. We have to be really, really careful. I can want all kinds of things. It doesn't mean that I should go and get them. I That's could, for sure. but, but should isn't necessarily uh, the way to look at that. And so my mom did a lovely version of stockings that were actually socks. Wow. They were actually, it, they were knee socks and then tube socks. Um, you can tell how old I am by both of those things. <laughs> I took that and went to massive stitched stockings oh. that I made for my kids. Yeah. But I'm continuing that with my grandkids and my, the grandkids stockings are the biggest one in the family. Oh and my the irony is that this is the precursor to gifts. So I've, yes. I've added a fun thing, but it's become much more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than perhaps it should, because what am I adding to the holidays? Maybe I'm only adding an expectation that is fun for me, but it might be uncomfortable for those receiving or for those who think they have to follow suit. Like sometimes I don't think we stop to consider the avalanche of ideas that we create Mm -hmm. with the things we choose to do. And Mm -hmm. so going back, um, shared a message a couple Christmases ago and, and the statement ended up being the tree I had was the tree I would decorate. I had an idea of what I wanted Christmas to look like, Sue, and I had to pick between groceries and a Christmas tree. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that might be a real story for people sure. today. Um, the tree I had was a ficus tree. It was a real one, not a fake one. It was a yeah. real one that I'd managed to keep growing in my house. I'm not good with house plants. I'm better with stuff in the yard. And this tree 
maybe it wasn't thriving, but it was still growing. And when my husband and I agreed that this would be our Christmas tree, and if anybody who knows a ficus tree, this was before fiddly fig for the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, ficus are a little wispier, a little more spindly. Uh, think Charlie Brown Christmas tree. This is basically yeah. what we had. But I have the sweetest picture of my kids laying. They didn't care. No, of course not. They cared that they got to color and make decorations. We strung popcorn. I had a box of decorations, but not a single one could go on that tree because they were all too heavy. (laughs) It just dropped its top right. And when we get to those places, it's easy to say, woe is me. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to go buy the tree I wanted. But is there a greater message? Is there a greater message we tell our kids that the holiday is what we make it? That it's not about the stuff. It's about what and why we're celebrating. Um, That stands out as a positive memory for my kids. They don't feel it was less than Christmas. No. Mm -mm. They saw, I mean, they were little. They were uh, maybe six and two. They were, or six and... uh, six and four, or I can't do the math, however many years apart they were. Um, But it's a positive memory for them. And so Mm -hmm. I think as moms planning the holidays, as women, we get that idea of what it should look like. Mm -hmm. I think we, one thing when I speak on this too, is that we have to decide what, what is essential. Mm. And maybe even when the kids are older to ask them, what is the most important thing that you would make sure that we have, whether it's something that they like to eat, something they like to do or something they like to buy. And so, um, and then, and then put the essentials together and maybe they don't get all three things. Maybe they just get one out of those three. One year when, when we were remodeling, you know, we didn't, we didn't have heat and I did insist that Mark take us out to breakfast. We'd have a hot breakfast that I didn't have to cook (laughs) on Christmas morning. But he needed to get the shingles on the um, rooftop that afternoon because rain was coming. And I had walked in our house with a hood on my head, you know, over my head with it raining in the house earlier that month. And we thankfully were invited to someone else's house for Christmas dinner. So we walk in from, I think we went to Apple Farm or Madonna Inn or someplace special. And we walk in and my husband, who does not sing, was singing shingle bells, shingle bells. And we go, oh my (laughs) gosh. And he piled up all the presents in front of the kids instead of, we usually go one at a time, but he had to make it quicker. So it was different. And also Bonnie Sue was cold. So to heat, to, to plug in the space heater next to her, uh, we had to unplug the Christmas tree lights. I mean, we just couldn't handle that much electricity. So we have <laughs> pictures of them all wrapped in their blankets, opening their presents. And I'm I'm glad we don't have a recording of Mark singing, but yeah. that is a great memory now. Sometimes some yes. of our hardest experiences, like what you were saying, are precious, precious memories. And we can just really, I think we just need, I personally need to surrender my expectations because my kids are you know, having boyfriends now, and maybe they're not going to be at our house at the right mm. time. And that is, uh, could be very difficult. And I don't want to cause a problem. It's supposed to be a happy time, right? Where I just surrender and say, you know, it doesn't matter. We'll celebrate when you're here. And that can be difficult for yes. some. And that, 
And that is part of that transition we go to. We're in control of a lot more things as moms when our kids are younger. And then as our kids, mine all live out of the house. My youngest is turning 30 this year and we're in four states. Um, My three kids and my Mm -hmm. husband and I, none of us live in the same state anymore. And so for me, what I think Christmas should look like has had to change because I've had to simplify so I can put it in a suitcase and take it with me. There we go. So now what becomes the priority? Stockings has been part of that. The kids have loved the stocking tradition and I'm careful to follow their input and make the muchness of it simpler. Mm-hmm. And when we simplify, Sue, it gives room for other things to take priority. What do you mean? Simpler in one area frees us up to focus on another. So if I'm simplifying the gift giving because it has to travel, now the focus is on time together. And not that the gift unwrapping isn't so much fun. And we've always um, we've always made it so that the giver and the receiver get to kind of have a moment. Um, we've started yeah. drawing names and doing different things. And so there's this opportunity to plug in specifically as, as our family's grown, but it isn't so much about the gifts and what you're receiving. It's about the time together. Mm-hmm. And we've gone more experiential than gift oriented because we're traveling to get to each other. And so um also that takes the financial hardship out of the gift giving yeah, yeah. some of our some of our fun holidays have been here's the dollar limit we're going to yeah. draw names our girls are good at generating this the internet's fabulous for helping you with a gift generator mm. so it'll draw names for everybody you can put a list in but we've done um books but they have to be thrifted Oh, so that it fits everybody's smaller budget. Mm-hmm. And especially if people are traveling for the holidays, that just adds a dollar factor oh, sure. that goes, you know, it, it impacts other things. So again, simplifying in one area lets you focus on another. So if the goal is to be together, we're going to spend the money getting to where each other are. Mm-hmm. And now the gift giving is just simplified and it's not this huge exorbitant thing and, and the list I, have two, was... I have two girls out of town out of state as well you and do. so I'm thinking I can't I'm, I already bought something for Bonnie that she will not want to put in her suitcase so I'm thinking how am I going to get that to her without it breaking but that's what I have to think but I also have a huge bag of thrifted books so <laughs> I, I feel like it. I'm already on the line here and there's if the boyfriends join us you know they have to know that part of the things are you know secondhand I used to work at the thrift store and so so that my kids wouldn't be disappointed when they opened it, I would say uh, to Bonnie from MT Mission Thrift, so she would know in advance, <laughs> and she would so then she would be pleasantly surprised. This looks brand new. I go, well, I know, but I still only spent five dollars on it. So there. But you gave her a chance to adjust her expectations. Exactly. Adjust. Right? We need so chances. Th- yes, that's adjusting that's whole those expectations. <laughs> and and I love how you said when you invited a friend over, you said we're having soup and bread. Yeah. So now they know that this has a different look. I'm not, I'm not walking into a finely set China table. Not that that's good or bad, but we respond to those things differently. And Mm -hmm. I would think that soup and bread just says, come as you are, join us, however, and just come be part of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Not that China can't also be that way, But we we project on these things. And so how sweet to have a, I love a good soup buffet, um, whether it's two soups or one. I had a girlfriend serving mugs 
like just mm-hmm. handheld mugs and spoons because she yep. didn't have enough bowls oh, for everybody, but right. she had mugs coming out her eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she's like, like me, more mugs than you have room for. And then they're um, good because then you have, then you say, well, I only had a mug full of this. So now I can try another one. Cause we usually have about six to eight soups, depending on how yes. many people come. So you want to try at least three of them. Well, and yes, I mean, why wouldn't you? And in a mug, you can totally do that. I had a, <laughs> I had a note here, um, about the expectations, and this goes to the shooting we do on ourselves, is that my family was happy with less. They weren't expecting more. I was. Mm-hmm. And how often my kids have said, mom, you can dial it back. Mom, you can dial it back. And what I was hearing is I can, if I want to, I wasn't hearing, mom, could you please dial mm-hmm. it back? Yeah. And so there are things in my need to give. Am I giving the way somebody else wants to receive? Mm-hmm. And that takes a little more thought. Well, it takes sacrifice. Yes. Because I'm like you, I want six. We usually take six hours to open presents <laughs> and we're kind of proud of it. And it's, but a lot of the stuff we never need to use, you know? So my kids are trying to dial me back where I go, but I like to do this. So you're preaching to me, honey bun. Well, and our liking to do can can bump up against somebody's hard to receive or hard to know how to respond. And that can be exhausting for somebody who would sure. be happy with less. Right. And so I think that has, it's been a hard lesson for me, but I'm thankful that my kids didn't, um, didn't give up sharing it with me because I want to give the way somebody wants to receive. Um, how can we fix our eyes more on Jesus? This kind of has to do with what you're saying. The simplifying lets us focus on what's most important. The holidays come with high expectations of our own choosing, of society's choosing, of marketers choosing. They're telling us all the things we need to have to have the perfect holiday. Mm -hmm. Their advertising doesn't usually include the reason for the season. And if I have so filled my calendar, if I have so filled my to-do list, that I never get the moment to sit in the dark house, looking at the twinkly lights on my tree that remind me of the light of the world. Mm. What's it all for? Right. Mm-hmm. We have this opportunity to bring people in to a very sacred and holy time. And it doesn't, sacred and holy doesn't have to be stiff and dull. Sacred and holy can be as fabulous as hours of opening gifts together but we have to be willing to schedule our holiday season accordingly. Mm-hmm. And and I say people have permission to put on or leave off their calendar what works for their family. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, sometimes we just have to say, well, what I said earlier about, you know, what are the essential, part of it is what are the essential events? I remember um, when our church choir put on a, some sort of a Christmas cantata and uh, we invited Bonnie's first grade teacher and her husband who didn't go to church to our house for dinner. And then we went to the cantata afterwards. And I, the sweet picture of looking down the pew and there's Mrs. Haley holding Bonnie's hand, you know, and they heard the gospel and uh, that was a simple thing because we, you know, we were kind of awkward. What do we talk to with this teacher and her husband, but we were going to be going to something else where we wouldn't have to handle the conversation. And of course, Bonnie felt so special that her teacher was over for dinner but you Absolutely. don't have to make, you could just do a bake, 
potato stuffed meal. I mean, it doesn't have to be fancy because you're getting up and leaving and going to another event. Um, also, I've been cautioned by my husband who's has a little, he's low maintenance, but he, you know, there are times when I just can't do it all. And oh. this, this, th- this uh, month is probably that going to be that way because of my speaking schedule, as well as we're going to New York to see Bonnie for a week. And I was just telling my neighbor, I don't think I can host the neighborhood brunch this year. Would you like to do it? So we're going to talk about that. But since then she goes, Oh, but your house is better. And I go, well, I actually could do it. You know, I will have been home 24 hours. But I'm thinking now, Carol, this is such a good lecture for me today, is that I'll do a a welcome to the new year neighborhood brunch instead, because people will probably be relieved they're not getting this invitation from Sue Donaldson, because they're too busy to come anyway, and they would have more time in January. So I'm Well, they'll be relieved to get it at a time that maybe is more suited to their schedule. You love where you've put it on the calendar, Mm -hmm. but really... The point is that you got to connect with your neighbors. And so it doesn't have to be before the busiest week of the year. It could come after as a sweet celebration. And people might even have leftovers. They're trying to figure out what to do. With it. There's a lot of <laughs> yeah. creative things you can do with uh, a turkey and ham that they can become great soups as well. That's <laughs> so, very, very, very true. Or what to do with the food. you can make it a, a left, a, a reimagined, um, you know, reimagined holiday meal and let things be very simple. I think those are some of the things that in the muchness that we live in, there's so many things we can simplify. Mm-hmm. And my mother-in-law was doing what's called FOSPA in our her German upbringing was a Sunday night evening meal before charcuterie was a thing. It was rolls, meat and cheese. Now her meats and cheeses were out of those packages that just hang up there like we did for lunch meats. And it's all become a whole thing that can totally break the bank if you want to get really, really serious about it. Oh, expensive. beautiful. But you can do the same thing in a much simpler way Mm -hmm. and make Christmas Eve. if, If you celebrate Christmas morning, make Christmas Eve dinner easier or do your big meal Christmas Eve so that Christmas mm-hmm. Day you've pre-planned and you've just done things to allow the connection with people and not have it be about the doing and presenting. Those are things I struggle with because yeah. I think, oh, I want to have the big meal and I want the table set. You know what? There's some really beautiful paper plates in this world there and there are solo cups Um that work really well you know they're the right color too because they're red they're red you can have a fizzy drink in a red solo cup as easily as you can any fancy glassware and and just for some people that hearing this they're going to be like oh no the china's coming out great but give yourself permission to simplify in another area right make like pick pick and choose yeah, and this is where we bring our own personalities into it because i love to decorate so the decorating is always going to happen but honestly, right. I've gotten to have somebody help me with it because I love to see it, but putting it up and taking it down is a lot of work. I've hired a, a Cal Poly student to come help me take the tree Uh-oh. down when I was nine months pregnant. Or yes. I don't know how many months pregnant I was, but I know I was tired and um, she <laughs> did, you know, I gave her 20 bucks. This was back in the day and she put things away from me uh, for me. Um, one thing I've done for Christmas dinner is uh, the kids are so tired from all the activity that by the time you get to Christmas afternoon, no one really wants to sit down. I certainly don't want to make a big dinner like my mother used to do. So I buy pizza the night, the day before from a reputable pizza place and just keep <laughs> it in the fridge and just reheat yes. it. And we watch yes. a movie 
Um, or it. orange chicken from Trader Joe's. I get a couple of those. And one of the gals who always has Christmas with us is gluten-free. So I make sure I have some just orange sauce to put on regular chicken for her and pour it over rice. And people don't mind because I do my ham in the morning. So we just eat ham the whole time that we're opening presents. And one friend brings cheesy potatoes. So that's not a fancy meal, but it's like, wow, why didn't I think of this, you know, 25 years ago, but we've been doing it about 10 years. Well, and even the things, and I love all of those, but I'm thinking for the person who's like, well, we have this specific recipe. How many of those things could be made? I have a girlfriend who's brilliant and entertaining. She loves to cook. She's a from scratch cooker. I'm like, I'm kind of getting stuff that's partly made. I'm happy to do cans and that. But she's really gracious with herself to start some of the cooking ahead so that it's not right there. And I tend to not put enough things on like to tell myself, warn myself ahead of time for that. But there are so many things that we can graciously choose different that doesn't impact how the holiday plays out, right? We can still have the time connecting with people and not have to worry about whether the thing in the oven got forgotten or not. (laughs) Or like I make things so far in advance, I forget they're in the back of the refrigerator. That's really sad. Uh, well, this has been delightful and I know so practical and helpful. Carol, where can people find you on the web? I am on Instagram and Facebook. Um, my website is really straightforward. I'm sure you'll have it in the show notes. It's uh, carolfile.com. And I, I just would love to leave them with the idea that whatever they choose, the goal is to embrace the sacred. So if you're somebody who loves all the fun and festivities, do that but leave room for the sacred. And and I loved your comment, Sue, about checking in um, with what was most important to our kids. And when they're littler, maybe they don't know that yet, but as mm-hmm. they get older, they'll definitely have an opinion and we need to be willing to hear why that is and let everybody enjoy it um, for the reason that it is. The reason for the season is what it's all about. And we want our activities and our choices to point to that. Mm-hmm. And that is a beautiful Christmas legacy. Thank you so much, Carol. Thank you, Sue. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.